How many of you this morning really, really want to lead a successful life? Let me see your hands. You want to lead a successful life. You want your life to be a success. All right, very good. How about this? How many of you really want your life to matter? You want your life to make a difference. You want your life to not only be successful, but significant. This past week, I asked both of those questions in a local public high school. I had the opportunity to speak in a series of assemblies to 11th and 12th grade students. And when I asked those questions, I said, how many of you want to be successful in life? About 97% of the students raised their hands. There was a handful here, a few there that didn't raise their hands. These are the students that have no vision, no goals, no dreams for their life. They just want to pass algebra and maybe graduate one day. They've not fought past graduation for their life. They're just kind of existing. Of the 97% that said, I really want my life to be successful. I ask, how many of you really want your life to count? You really want to make a difference in your life. And all across the auditorium, hands began to go down. And I estimate maybe 20 to 25% of the students there lowered their hands. I thought, maybe they didn't understand the question. Let me rephrase. And I said, okay, how many of y'all really want to live for something bigger than yourself? You really want your life to matter. In this amount of time you have to live on this earth, you want to make a difference with your life. A few more hands went down. As I watched these students, I realized that these students had already made up their minds in high school that they were going to live for themselves. That their idea of success had to do with them. See, these students had already bought the lie of the devil, the lie that this world tells us if we want to be successful, we need to get all we can. We need to get ours. And if we have enough money, if we have enough stuff, if we have enough things, if we have the bling bling, the pinky ring, then we will be satisfied. Or if we just have a certain status or a certain job, we will be fulfilled In our lives. I wish I could take those hundreds of students. And introduce them to the countless adults. Who have worked their whole lives. To climb the corporate ladder of success. And when they reached the top. They only discovered that their ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. See there's some adults in here that have bought that lie. There's some adults here that maybe have lived that lie. And the idea that you had for success and significance has only left you feeling empty and unfulfilled. See, these students didn't realize that a successful life is not measured by comparing your life to what others have done. A successful life is measured by comparing your life to what you're supposed to do. How about the other 75%? 
They not only want to be successful, they want to be significant. They want to make a difference with their life. I talked to many of these students after the assemblies. And it saddened me to find that although their intent was great, although they have a vision, although they have dreams, although they want their life to count, not one communicated to me that they understood the foundational truth that it takes to find success and significance in life. Simply put, we are created by God to fulfill His purposes. That's why we exist. We are created by God to fulfill His purposes, and most of our problem is related to a foundation problem. See, you were created for God's purpose. You were not created so that God could help you with your purpose. And getting this backwards has called so many of us to build our lives on the wrong foundation. Scripture is not silent. When it comes to why we are here, what is the purpose and the meaning of our lives? So many people wonder that question. What on earth am I here for? And there's two ways we can find the answer. We could go to Barnes & Noble and we can get self-help books and we could try to figure out the answer through speculation or we can turn to the Word of God and get the answer through revelation. See, the Bible is not silent. In 2 Corinthians 8, 6, it says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for Him. Catch that. We exist for Him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through Him. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Has anyone ever felt like their life has been falling apart before? Maybe we don't quite get this foundational truth. We were made for God. And when we forget this truth, sometimes things can get pretty frustrating in our lives. All of us have in our homes certain manufactured products, maybe appliances, maybe you have a toaster, you have a refrigerator, you have an oven. And these things were made by a manufacturer for a purpose. Now, suppose we pull out our toaster. And instead of putting the bread in the toaster, we throw a couple of pieces of bread in the refrigerator and come back a minute later. It's not going to pop up and down and be toasty. Because the refrigerator was not made to toast bread. If we were to pour milk inside our toaster oven, it's not going to keep cold. Because that's not what the manufacturer had in mind when he built a toaster. He created the toaster so that it could do the best possible job toasting bread. And when we try to use things other than their intended purpose, things can get a little frustrating. If anyone has ever been up at 2 in the morning on Christmas morning putting together a Thomas the Tank Engine Super Deluxe train set, 
Maybe you've learned a similar lesson as I have. And the lesson is this. If you're up at 2 a.m. putting together the Thomas train set, and you're ready to go to bed, maybe you should have read the instructions at 11 p.m. and you might be in the bed already. But see, with our lives, so many times, instead of consulting the maker or bothering to take time to read the instructions, we continue to live a frustrated life with little sense of significance, with little sense of value. When you discern your divine reason for being, your value changes. Let's say you go to Myrtle Beach. And um, things are expensive at Myrtle Beach. And so you want to bring home a souvenir, but you don't feel like going to Wings or Eagles and spending $5 on a hermit crab. So you go out on the beach, and you get a bowl, and you want to scoop up some sand. And you get this sand... And you want to put some shells in it. Maybe you take it home and put it on the back of the, the commode and it looks real nice when guests come over. That is a good free souvenir from Myrtle Beach because when you walk out on the beach, that sand is free. Now you can take that same sand and put it in a bag and now it costs you $5 at the Home Depot. It's the same sand. But you're using it a different way. And you can take that same sand that's $5 in a bag at the Home Depot. And you can get a little glue and a little paper. And you can call it sandpaper. Now it's a dollar a sheet. It's the same sand, but it's used for a different purpose. The value changes. In fact, you can take that same sand, which is silicon dioxide, SiO2, and you can heat it, and you can process it, and you can use the silicon to make computer chips. So now the same sand that was free on the beach, that was $5 a bag at the Home Depot, that's a dollar a sheet of sandpaper, now you can't hardly afford it. It's the same thing, but it's got a different purpose. If you discover your divine usefulness, then your value goes up. You may say, but you don't understand. I don't have value. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. Surely God does not want to use me for his divine purposes. I've got in my wallet a $20 bill. Now, if I were to give this $20 bill away right now, i say, I'm going to give it away. Who here would take the $20 bill? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Economy's been hard on all of us, I'll tell you that. So if I were to give this away, well, hold on. What if I crumple this $20 bill up? Who would still take the $20 bill? What if I, oh, I, I dropped it on the floor. Now I stepped on it. It's all dirty. How many of y'all would still take the $20 bill? Suppose I were to spit on this. Suppose I were to rip it in half. How many would still take the $20 bill? The reason you would take this $20 bill is because this $20 bill still has value. No matter what condition it's in, you can fold it out, you can put some tape on it, you can still spend 
this $20 bill. Maybe you've been through a lot. Maybe you've been stepped on. Maybe you've been kicked. Maybe you've been spit at. Maybe you think you have no value. I want to tell you this morning that God wants to take you. And he wants to smooth out the wrinkles. And he wants you to realize your value. Someone told me this past week. My life doesn't have much value. And I said, you got no control over that because God's already given you value. Now, the thing about this $20 bill is not what shape it's in. The value of this $20 bill exists because the U.S. government printed this bill and assigned value to this bill. Now, if this bill is just sitting here and is not being used as a, as a method or as a means of exchange, it's not serving its purpose. It still has value, but that value is not realized until you use it for its intended purpose. You may be here this morning and say, I don't have value. My life doesn't mean much. Let me remind you that God has already assigned you value. And you begin to realize your value when you use your life for the means in which it was created. God wants to take your life, no matter what condition it's in right now, And he wants to so fill you with purpose and value that your life becomes like one of the lives we read about in Scripture that's aflame. He wants to give you a life like Esther. Esther had a purpose-filled life. You were appointed to the kingdom for such a time as this. Moses had a purpose-filled life. When he met God at the burning bush and realized that his job was to let my people go, Peter had a purpose-filled life. When God told him, now you're going to be fishers of men. Paul had a purpose-filled life. When he said, forgetting the things that are behind me, I press on forward toward the high calling. Joseph had a purpose-filled life. When he said to those who intended to harm him, what you have meant for evil, God has meant it for good to bring about this very occasion. Jesus had a purpose-filled life. He knew he was going to the cross. And he said, I've completed the work that you have sent me here to do. In fact, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Then, of course, David was filled with purpose. In Acts chapter 13, turn with me if you would, verse 22. It says, after he had removed him, talking of Saul, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all of my will. We see a couple things about David here. Number one, 
we see that David has a unique title. He was called a man after God's own heart. Some may question, is this the same David we read about in the Old Testament? That's correct. That is correct. The same David in 1 Samuel who ran away from Saul because he was a, a coward. The same David in 2 Samuel who committed adultery with Bathsheba. The same David who in 2 Samuel not only committed adultery with Bathsheba, but had her husband murdered. It's the same David. You may say, he doesn't deserve that title. A man after God's own heart. It's important that you realize something. A man after God's heart is not a perfect man. A man after God's heart is a man who sees his sin for what it is, and he repents of it. That's what David did. Read Psalm 51. And God's divine chastening had a perfecting work on David's life. And David can justly be called a man after God's heart because unlike Saul, his purpose and his vision in life became to fulfill the purposes of the Lord. A man after God's own heart. The reason that so many people are struggling with emptiness is because they are not after the heart of God. So we experience little of the presence of God and virtually none of the power of God because we're not here for the purposes of God. Second thing we see about David in verse 36. For David, after he had served the purposes of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers. We see that David served the purposes for his generation. He understood that God had him here in this generation to affect the lives of other people. Who am I impacting for God in fulfilling my purposes of God? If you can't answer that question, you're not serving the purposes of God. We should be influencing and impacting two groups of people. Number one, we should be influencing and impacting the body of Christ through our involvement in a local church. God did not call us to the local church to spectate. We're to be serving the body of Christ through the local church. Secondly, we're to be serving the broader world through your witness in society. David understood this. He was a man of purpose. He was a man after God's own heart. Well, Tripp, that's great. Esther, Peter, Philip, Moses, David, they found purpose in their life. They found significance in their life. What I want to know this morning, how do I find purpose in my life? I'll tell you where we start. We start with two foundational commands from which our purpose will flow. The first one is Matthew 22, 36 through 40. We refer to it as the great commandment. It says, teacher, which is the greatest command in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. For all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. You want to start finding purpose in your life. Try loving God with all your heart. 
all your mind, all your soul. Why don't we love God more? I mean, He fearfully and wonderfully made us. He gave us value. While we were yet sinners, He sent Jesus, His Son, to die so that we can be redeemed through His blood. He's offered us eternal life. Why don't we love Him more? I think that some people have a hard time loving God with everything they have because they don't really know God. They don't really have a relationship with Him. Maybe they've come to church. Maybe they've made a public profession of faith. Maybe they've been baptized. But their relationship with God has not gone anywhere since that day. I want to ask you this morning, do you know Him? If we would know God more... I think we would love him more. Is there somebody in your life, the longer you know him, the more you love him? The more you get to know him, the more you're in love with him. Because you find out more about him. You learn more about their commitment to you. And the more you love him, the more you know him, the more you love him. That's why some of the most fired up people for God in our church are some of our senior adults. Because they've gotten to know God more and more Every day. Why is that? The longer I serve him, the sweeter it grows. The more that I love him, more love he bestows. And each day when they wake up, it's not like, oh, me. It's like heaven because their heart is overflowing with the love of God. How are you doing in your relationship with God? People wear bracelets and necklaces and T-shirts that say WWJD, what would Jesus do? And in reality, they don't know what Jesus would do because they don't know what Jesus did do. They've never taken time to read God's love letter, His instruction manual for our life. They've never really spent time with Him. Or else, maybe their Bible is only like the owner's manual to the car. You only pull it out when you're in trouble. When the red light's on. How are we doing? How are we growing in our relationship with the Lord? What are you doing intentionally to grow? Are you spending time with Him? Are you committed to your Sunday school class? Men, have have you considered being part of real men's discipleship? What are you doing to intentionally grow in your relationship with the Lord? The second foundational command from which our purpose flows is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the mandate, the command that God gave all of his people. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. God purposes that each of us represent him to this world. When I was in college... I worked for a, uh, had a part-time job working for a large retail store. It was a clothing store. And uh, in addition to selling clothes and stocking shelves, 
Part of my responsibilities in working at this store was to assist the merchandising specialist if they needed help with the displays. And a big part of their job were to dress up the large display windows that covered two sides of this building. And see, what would happen is they would put inside these windows a series of dummies, um, I guess a more sophisticated way would be mannequins. And they would dress these mannequins up with the hair, with the accessories, and the clothes would look so nice. And they would put so much time and effort in how the display windows look. See, the intention of the owner of that store was to make this display window the best it possibly could. They wanted those dummies to look good. And the reason they spent so much time on those dummies in the window is because they know that there's dummies like you and me walking down the sidewalk in front of that store. And what they want is for there to be a meeting of the dummies. They want us to look in the window and be so attracted to what we see in those dummies that we stop and we stare. And the reason they dress up these dummies and spend so much time on these dummies is not just so we stop and stare, but that we will be so compelled by what we see and so impressed by what we see that we come inside the store. Because inside the store is a bigger kingdom that has department after department after department and floor after floor of things that will absolutely blow your mind. The purpose that God has created us for and redeemed us for is to put us on display so that when people pass us, they are so attracted by our presence that they are drawn into something so much bigger called the kingdom of the living God. And if you don't make that connection, then you're not understanding God's purposes for your life. You say, I'm a doctor. No, you're not a doctor. You are God's representative to the medical field so the medical field can see what God looks like when he helps hurting people. You say, I'm a lawyer. No, no, wrong. You're not a lawyer. You are God's representative to the Bar Association, so the Bar Association knows what God looks like when he tries a case. You say, I'm a businessman. Nope. You're God's representative to the business, so the business world knows what God looks like when God cuts a deal. You say, I'm a teacher. No. You're God's representative to the classroom, so the classroom can know what God looks like when God teaches a lesson. You see, your job is to reflect the purposes of God through whatever vehicle God has given you. One of the most influential people in my life in high school was a coach at Sumter High School, Coach Paul Sarles. One day after practice, he saw me loafing off the field a little bit, and he said, Tripp, what's wrong? I said, Coach, I've really been struggling with God's call on my life to ministry. He said, I remember when I submitted to God's call on my life to ministry. I said, Coach, you used to be a pastor? He said, No. God called me to be a school teacher. I said, I don't understand. He said, Trip, what you got to realize is God calls every believer to ministry. God calls every believer to make a difference for the kingdom of God. 
He may have called you to stand in a pulpit and preach. He called me to stand in a classroom and teach. He may have called you to wear a necktie around your neck. He called me to wear a whistle around my neck. He understood the purposes of God for his life. And I watched my coach on that football field lead teammates of mine to Christ at football practice. He understood the purposes for his life. We can go all around town and see people who are not just existing, they are fulfilling God's purpose in their life. And in that, they find significance. Anyone who's ever been to the Main Street Chick-fil-A and had Miss Diane serve you, know that she don't wake up in the morning and dread going to work. Anyone who's ever been to the Harvest and Walmart, you know there's a greeter there that understands that he has a purpose in life. Catherine just this week told me she was at the West Columbia Krispy Kreme waiting on some hot, fresh nows. And she said, Trip, I had a little church up in there because there's a cashier there who is fulfilling God's purpose for her life. Let me ask you, who is saying that about you? Are you living a purpose-filled life? If not, would you acknowledge this morning that you were created for God's purposes and that he does not exist for yours? Would you make that little flip in your heart this morning? If you've never discovered God's purposes for your life, ask yourself, how am I doing with what I know He wants me to do? How are you growing in your relationship with Him? What kind of representative are you for Him in your world? And then beyond that, I believe that God has specific purposes for each one of our lives. But I also believe that God does not reveal these purposes until we submit to them. What in the world does God want you to do this morning with your life? He wants you to submit to His purposes. And as you walk with Him, as you submit to His Holy Spirit living through you, you'll find your purpose. So many times, especially working with high school seniors, they're worried about, oh, I just don't, I want to know God's will. I'm so freaked out because I don't know God's will for my life. And I tell them, don't spend all your time worrying about his specific will for your life. Spend your time walking with him, and then you'll find yourself in his will. Because he's not going to abandon you. He's not going to desert you. Okay, Tripp, I hear what you're saying this morning. Maybe I need to give God a place in my life. No, you still got it wrong. He doesn't want a place in your life. He wants all of your life. He doesn't want you to fit him into your plans. He wants to fit you into his. Paul tells us in Romans 1, 6 that we are called to belong to Jesus Christ. The truth this morning is you may have possession of your life, but you don't have a clear title. He's the rightful owner because he paid the price. Where did he pay it? He paid it on the cross. How did he pay it? He paid it with his blood. Now you're called to belong to him. Maybe you're here this morning and you can say, I don't know if I belong to God. I really feel like I don't. Maybe you've never submitted your life to his way. And for the first time this morning, you need to say, God, I want to yield my life to you. I realize that you love me. I realize that I'll... uh, On my own, I'm separated from you. 
And I realize that the only way I can reach you is because of what you've done for me through Jesus Christ on that cross. And today, for the first time, you need to say, I want to yield my life to him. I want to receive that free gift of salvation. You felt like you don't have much value. You felt like you don't have much significance. I can guarantee you, you will find significance if you yield to his purpose for your life. Maybe you've a long time ago committed your life to Christ, but you found your life in a rut. You found yourself stuck in a routine. And today you need to say, maybe, maybe I need to resubmit to that foundational principle. God, I exist for you. You don't exist for me. I need to recommit myself to grow in my relationship with God. I need to recommit myself as a representative for God in my workplace. I would ask that you do that this morning and begin living a life that is full of purpose. Father, we thank you for loving us enough to give your everything for us so that we can know you and that we can have purpose and life in you. We know that you sent your son so that we could have life and we can have life abundantly. Father, may we submit to your purposes for our life right now. We're about to begin a time of invitation. And I think this time of invitation is often a misunderstood time in our church. See, you can make a commitment to God right where you're sitting in your seat. But sometimes, in order to submit that commitment, as your knees are knocking, as you're going back and forth, do I need to commit my life to God? I don't know. And you're coming up with all these excuses and the enemy is lying to you. Sometimes taking that first step out of your seat and saying, God, I'm going to physically move towards you right now. There's something special about that that cements that in your heart. And during this time of invitation, let me tell you what we offer. We offer a place for you to physically move and to come and pray and get on your knees before God and say, God, I want to do business with you right here. There's something special about what I'm about to do with you. And it's going to be lasting. It's going to be real. We have our staff, our pastors across the front here. If you want to come and talk to someone about how you can commit your life to Christ. We have counselors in a back room that can sit down and pray with you. Whether you need to commit your life to Christ this morning. Or whether you need to join a church and start serving Him here. Let me ask that today, today, be the day that you take that step. I want to invite you to stand as we sing. The staff will be at the front to greet you. Come now.